Today I'm going to focus on using our head when discerning God's will. Our hearts and our heads need not be opposed to each other. How do we now hold the two together in dynamic tension, not just listening to our hearts, but using our head as we think about making the difficult decisions that are before us and discerning God's will. Our text this morning is Proverbs 14, verse 8. I'm going to talk about prudence, prudence as a means of discerning God's will. Hear the word of the Lord, the wisdom of the prudent. Is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. And that word can be seen as self-deception. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Lord Jesus, we open ourselves up to you now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to, to see, give us ears to hear, a heart to receive all that you long to pour out for us this day. And Lord, as we hold before you the decisions before us and the areas of discernment and clarity that we need, Lord Jesus, speak to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 One of the rhythms that Rosie and I have each month is we have a finance meeting and a calendar meeting, a home finance meeting, and a home calendar meeting. Now, I want to say from the beginning, I'd rather go to the dentist than to have a finance meeting and a calendar meeting. But we have understood the problems that come when we are not clear on where we want our money to go, our financial priorities, our financial obligations, and we know the pain that comes when we haven't been clear on our schedule, in particular my work schedule and the things that I say yes to. And so every month we have a finance meeting and a calendar meeting. And inevitably throughout the course of the conversation, it's actually the time in the month where Rosie and I have the most tension. That meeting is the time where we have the most tension in our relationship in a given month. And so we take a deep breath. We go into it. We have to take a break from each other from time to time. We come back. And and throughout the course of the conversation about our calendar in particular, I often get a bit tense because I want to do what I want to do. And she reminds me over and over that I can't just do that, number one, because I'm married, all right? We'll be married 13 years tomorrow. And she's like, you can't do that. (laughs) Amen. You can't do that because you're married. Your time is not just your time. It's our time, too. And so we have a conversation. I'm tense. I want to do what I want to do. And so what happens is I look at my calendar, the meetings I have the dinners I've planned, the speaking engagements on the calendar, the classes I have to teach, the responsibilities I have as a pastor. And I want to squeeze in things and squeeze in things. And at at, at some point, I get to a, a point in the calendar where she goes, that looks pretty full. And she knows something about me that I say, I'm good. And then when the thing happens, I'm upset that I said yes to it. And she knows this about me. And so from time to time, she says this question. She asked me this question. Have you thought it through? A terrible question. Have you? A good question. Have you thought it through? And I don't like this question. Because, again, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to think things through. 
Because when I, when I, to think these through means I might have to change my mind. And when I get fixated on something, it's hard for me to change my mind. Now, the Bible has a word for people who have a hard time changing their mind, who are stubborn, who get set in their ways. The word that the Bible used for that is the word fool. Fool. Any fools in the house? Any, any, any fools in the house? It's not just me. I, I don't, don't just look at me. I, I, we, we, we are fools. We are fools. The Bible has a word for people who get stuck in their ways, settled in their ways, refusing to budge, refusing to compromise, re- re- refusing to negotiate. It is fool. And fools can't discern the will of God because fools are stuck in their ways. And yet God invites us to a different way, a way of wisdom, a way of prudence. And only the prudent can discern the will of God. Now, the word prudent, it's a wonderful word. It's a wonderful biblical word. And this is what it means, essentially. The word prudence means to think ahead, patiently giving careful thought to the long-term implications of our decisions. Thinking ahead, patiently giving careful thought to the long-term implications of our decisions. And so Proverbs 14 says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. In short, fools have a hard time using our heads. And yet there are various scenarios that we want to discern God's will, various decisions that we need to make, and we better start using our heads. If you're thinking about whether you should buy in Long Island a home or keep renting in Queens, you better use your head. If you're thinking about whether you should take in your aging parents or find a nursing home for them, you better use your head. If you're thinking about whether you should join this ministry or that ministry, you better use your head. If you're thinking about whether you should retire or keep on working, you better, I better use our heads. And so these scenarios before us, Invite us not just to listen to our hearts, but to use our heads. And this is why the book of Proverbs is a great resource for those who are trying to discern the will of God. Now, one of the dominant themes in the book of Proverbs is the contrast between the fool and the wise. And actually, in the book of Proverbs, there's about three types of people, three types of people that comes up over and over again. Mockers, fools, and the wise. Mockers are those who are, uh, are just, they're evil, they're, they're, they, they, they have no regard for life, no regard for God. The fools are those who refuse to think, thick-brained, aimless, wandering into all kinds of disaster. The wise are those who are regarded as prudent, giving careful thought to their ways. And I want to focus on using our heads because we often don't use our heads, and consequently, we suffer needlessly. The Bible in Proverbs, different areas in Proverbs, says that wisdom cries out in the street. Wisdom, really the personification of God, cries out in the street. And wisdom essentially says these three words, don't suffer needlessly. Wisdom cries out, don't suffer needlessly. 
And many of us make decisions in which we suffer needlessly. I like to think about pain in two categories. There is divine pain and dumb pain. Divine pain and dumb pain. Divine pain is the pain that God allows us to go through. The pain that God wants to use to sharpen our character, to grow us up into mature adults following Jesus. There's the divine pain that we, ha- we can't understand it all the time. God in God's sovereign plan and sovereign will allows pain to come through our lives for the sake of growing us up, maturing us in the way of Jesus. That's divine pain. There's nothing you can do about divine pain. Often the things that we learn come out of pain and suffering and loss. And while Jesus Christ is going to make, it, make, all, make things make sense when we see him face to face, we don't always understand it. And yet divine pain comes our way. That's one category of pain. But then there is dumb pain. And God said, that wasn't me. The Lord says, I had nothing to do with that. Satan's like, that wasn't me either. (laughs) The devil's like, "Uh uh-uh, not this time. You're not going to blame me this time. You're not going to lie on me this time. Dumb pain. Dumb pain. It's, it's it's, It's the pain where we make decisions without consulting anyone. You go into a relationship, everyone knows it's a bad idea. The dog knows it's a bad idea. The dog is like, no. No, and you don't want to invite anyone into it, and the relationship is horrible, awful, traumatic, dumb pain. We make a financial decision, rushing, and and, and you know it costs more than you have to buy, but you just, you you put it on the card and didn't read that there's a 35% interest rate on that too, and, and it is now dumb pain. We go beyond our limits, expending more time and energy, and we experience pain, dumb pain. And the Lord wants us to move out of dumb pain into prudence, into wisdom. But the fool will have nothing of it. There's a contrast between the fool and the prudent. Over and over in Scripture, every prudent person acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. Our text, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. A simple or foolish person believes anything, but a prudent person gives thought to his steps. The fool cannot discern God's will because the fool does not give careful thought to his or her ways. And this is not just in the pages of Scripture. Fools are everywhere. In the church, Outside of the church, fools are everywhere. Now, many of us are fools in this respect that we don't use our heads for many reasons. For some of us, we've come from churches that were actually anti-head, anti-using your brain. I recall someone was asking me years ago, are are you going to join this ministry or not? And I said, I'm I'm still thinking about it. And he said, I don't need you to think about it. I need you to pray about it. It sounds really spiritual. I want you to pray about it. And he says, if you pray, Jesus will show you the way. I said, that's a nice bumper sticker. And yet the Bible also says, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, 
and strength. That is to say that to use your mind is not antithetical to praying. That we can prayerfully think and think in a prayerful way. And so many times we come from traditions, from families where we just say, trust the Lord. Step out. Just go for it. Have you thought about it? No. And the Lord is like, wait a second. Before you go, use your head. Now, many times we don't like to use our head because we're set in our ways. Many times we don't like to use our head because it requires the hard work of living in reality. To consider all of the realities before me to use my head. But truth is, we don't use our head not just for theological reasons, sociological reasons, but for biological and psychological reasons. All of us have a part in our brain, to use popular neuroscience language, called the lizard brain. The lizard brain. The lizard brain is the part of our brain. Some call it the reptilian brain. It's the part of our brain which, where the fight or flight impulses are located. And so when anxiety comes, the lizard brain goes into overdrive. And I thank God for this part of our brain, the reactivity of this brain, because if a lion is chasing you down the street, there's no time to be contemplative. <laughs> this is no time to give thought to your ways. This is no time. If a lion is found, the lizard brain says, go, survive, live, run. And so we need the lizard brain. But we also have a prudent brain. A brain that God wants us to use for the sake of discerning his will, to be thoughtful, to be non-reactive, to be present. But what happens in our lives is anxiety comes, whether it is real or whether it is perceived. And all of us know how to bring up anxiety when there is no anxiety. The way we have seen life, the way our families formed us. All of a sudden, anxiety floods our system. The lizard brain takes over, overrides the prudent brain. And all of a sudden, you're making decisions left and right in a reactive, anxious kind of a way. And so whether it is theological, whether it is physiological, biological, we have forces coming against us that actually lead us into foolishness. And the world will disciple us into foolishness for the sake of its own agenda. And yet God is calling us to live a life of Prudence. And so again, prudence is thinking ahead, patiently giving careful thought to the long-term implications of our decisions. And discerning God's will requires prudence. Here's some other words just to, to, to help us describe prudence. It, it means to be far-sighted, to think before in advance, wisely cautious in practical affairs, careful in providing for the future, sensible, having good judgment or common sense, taking everything into account, balanced, level-headed, careful. Let me ask you a question. Do these words describe your life? Do these words describe my life? Now, here's the thing. We can be prudent in some areas and be fools in another. We can be prudent with our finances, but be fools in relationships. We can be prudent in our career, but be fools in the way we spend our time. We can be fools in one way and prudent in another. 
And so I say all that to say, listen, we're all in the same boat. We all need grace. We all need God's wisdom. We all need God's forgiveness. And here's the beautiful thing about the the, the word of God, Jesus, the, the gospel, the spirit of God. God longs to lead us in the way that we should go. And, and to discern God's will requires more than just discipline. It requires his transforming grace. Because many of us come from homes where we didn't think things through. Some of us, we like to say, Jesus might live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. There's some things that are deep inside of you that have been passed down from generation to generation. It's in your bones. It's in your bloodstream. And we need the grace of God. Because for some of us, we live in an impulsive families that don't think things through. And that stuff is contagious. And we pass it on from one generation to the next. And so what we need is God's grace, brothers and sisters, opening ourselves up to God's grace so that God can transform us into prudent people. And grace essentially is this, God doing for us and in us what we can't do for ourselves. That's a good definition of grace. God doing for us and in us what we can't do for ourselves. And prudence helps us discern God's will. Now, how do we grow in this? How do we grow in prudence for the sake of discerning God's will? Now, I've been giving thought to this, and I want to get super practical here. And there's seven questions that I've created that I've asked of myself. And these seven questions have come because I have failed throughout the course of my life in this. And so these questions come out of my failures and also come out of the times where I have listened to God. And all of us are a mixed bag of failures and success. We hear God one way, we miss it the other way. And so these seven questions hopefully will serve as a framework that as you're listening to your heart, as you're inviting wise counsel, that we're using our head in the process as well. Seven questions for us to be prudent as we discern the will of God. The first question is this, am I rushing? Am I rushing? Dallas Willard, the great and late philosopher at the University of Southern California has said that the greatest enemy to the spiritual life is hurry. We do a lot of bad things when we're in a rush, when we're just blowing by stop signs. A lot of bad things happen when we are in a rush. Here's the question. As you're thinking about the issue that's before you, are you rushing? Are you just ready to make a decision without thinking things through? And here's the the general principle. The bigger the decision, the more time it's needed. The bigger the decision before us, the more time is needed to discern God's will. Are you rushing? Are you rushing? The second question is, am I avoiding the hard work of thinking? It's exhausting to think things through. It's exhausting to think about, I mean, I have to make a financial decision, but now I have to actually look at my finances. I have to look at my obligations. Look at what's happening next month. Look at what's happened last month. I have to think things through. And often we do the hard, we we avoid the hard work of thinking. But it requires us to come to terms 
with all the stuff of life. Listen, if you're about to go into a relationship and you're like, listen, he's fine or she looks good. Later for the thinking. Uh, this, This is it. And you haven't taken the time to think through your values and what you want in another person, in a partner, and you're ready to just jump into the next thing here without doing the hard work of thinking? Dumb pain. Dumb, dumb pain. And so are we avoiding the hard work of thinking? Third question for prudence is, do I understand the options before me? Do I understand the different ways that we can go? Have I thought through the the various options before me? Two years ago, Rosie and I, we were in a place in our lives where we're starting to think more and more about our financial future. I turned 40 years old in, in April, this coming April, and we're thinking about as we enter into this next decade, I enter into this next decade, what does it mean to be incredibly thoughtful about various areas of our lives? And one of the areas that we've been thinking a lot about is finances. At the beginning of our marriage, we made some impulsive decisions where our finances got out of control and things began to snowball a bit. And we thought, ah, we'll manage it here. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves some years later still dealing with stuff from decisions that were made years before. And so we thought, in light of our goals, in light of where we want to be in the next five years, ten years and such, we have to make some drastic decisions. And so we, we outlined all the options before us. And one of the options that we had was, if we're going to uh, you know, uh, provide for our future and be thoughtful about it, it means that we have to get rid of all this consumer debt that we have. We have to, we have to save more intentionally. And what we decided to do two years ago was to move to Long Island to live with my in-laws for two years. And this was a very intentional, painful decision to make for us. And yet we had the bigger picture in mind. We looked at all the various options we could go. And a couple of months ago, we were able to move back to Queens, got rid of all consumer debt, got rid of all the stuff that was holding us down. But we made a very wise, prudent, long-term implication decision. And now we're back in Queens with the freedom. And boy, was it hard. And yet at the end of the day, we say, am I going to live free? Am I going to live? Do I really understand the love of God here? You're moving where? You're the pastor of a church? You're going where? At some point later for y'all, I got to make a decision. Am I going to be a fool? Am I going to be prudent here? But it takes time to understand what are the various options we can go? Where are the different ways that we can go? Do you understand the options that are before you? Have you thought it through? Fourth, have have I considered my limits and the limits of those around me? We all have the limits, physical limits, financial limits, emotional limits. And not only do we have limits, if we have family, friends around, we have the limits of small children, the limits of teenage children, the, the limits of aging parents, the limits of children with physical disabilities. We all have limits. And any time we go beyond our limits, we enter into demonic territory. We find this right in the Bible, the opening pages of the Bible, where God says he puts a limit to Adam and Eve. 
He says, I got you a good garden. You can have whatever you want. There's one tree. Don't touch it. He put a limit. And they touched it. And when they ate it, they entered into Satan's territory. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in, I'm in so much warfare. Why, why is this happening to me? It might be, it might be, not always, but it might be that we've gone beyond our limits. Listen, sickness comes for all different kinds of reasons. But I wonder, I wonder what percentage of sickness comes to our lives because we've gone beyond our limits. We didn't give it any, no prudent thought to it. We kept going and going and going and going. How did I get sick? Well, we might have gone beyond our limits. Have you considered your limits and the limits of those around you? But I, that, that house looks so nice. But can you afford it? I don't think so, but it looks so nice. It seems like you have some limits. But God, can, God is a God of no limits. Give that a shot. Just give that a shot. <laughs> and Satan's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't blame that one on me. Have I considered my limits? Have I honestly assessed my strengths and weaknesses? The more we are self-aware, the better we can discern God's will. The less we are aware of ourselves, the more trouble we're going to have discerning God's will. And so do I know my strengths, my weaknesses, my Achilles heel, my liabilities, my addictions, my idols? Do I know what I can bring to the table, what I can't bring to the table? Have I done the hard work of honestly assessing my strengths and weaknesses? Six, am I making this decision freely or am I being pressured to do so? And the pressure can be external or the pressure can be internal. That I've created now, there are times in my own life where I create a false deadline and says, if I don't have this by then, something's wrong with my life. And what do I do? There's an internal pressure. And really, I'm not freely making it. There's something inside of me now that is contaminating my decision-making. And whether that is a, 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 a false deadline that we create for ourselves or an external pressure coming from someone else, are you freely making this decision? Joyfully, peacefully making this decision? Or are you being pressured to do so? Lastly is this. Have I worked hard to understand the implications of this decision? Now you go, I can't anticipate all the consequences of me making this decision. We can't. But we can do some of the hard work to doing some of it understanding the implications of our lives. I want to submit this to you as a framework that as you're thinking about which college to go to, as you're thinking about whether you should retire or keep going, whether you're thinking about whether you should get married or stay single, whether you're thinking about whether I should take in my aging parents or put them into a, a nice nursing home, as you're thinking through all this, I submit this to you as a framework for the sake of prudence for the sake of discerning God's will. And let me end with this. Where does the gospel of grace come into this message? I wanna, I wanna show you right now. The truth about our lives is that 
we will have seasons of foolishness. Anxiety is going to hit you and course through your body. And in an act of fear and anxiety, you might make a bad decision. And it happens to the best of us. But, but here's, here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is God loves fools. Isn't that good news? Oh, God loves fools. That's a good t-shirt. God loves fools. And, and not only does God love fools, God says, if we take our foolish ways and submit it to the Lord, even though we have already made bad mistakes. Some of us say, I've already made bad mistakes. I already made my bed. I just got to lay in it now. Some of you live with great shame because of what you've done financially. The decisions you rushed into and you go, this, this is my lot. And you're filled with shame and regret and fear. And you, you're living the way of manipulation now. The Lord says, no, no, no. I can make a way where there is no way. God has a way of turning around circumstances that we think that was a dead end. But in God says, no, no, no. I can move mountains. I can make a way where there is no way. And so God loves fools. And he wants to work for fools. Help fools. But it means we have to surrender our foolishness to him. Recognize it in ourselves. And invite the Lord to begin to help us in the way of wisdom. Some of you, you look at your life with shame, regrets, thinking whatever decision I made, that's, the, that's all I have to deal with now. But brothers and sisters, God will have the last word. Amen. God's grace will have the last word. And wherever you might be right now, that's not the end of your story. There's a new story that God wants to write for you as you surrender your will to him. Let's pray together. We're going to have a time of worship and prayer. And with your just eyes closed for a moment, I want to invite just the prayer team to come up front here. I want to first give us a moment to breathe in deeply in the presence of God because our lizard brains take over. Anxiety fills us and all of a sudden we're down a road of great pain. But I want to give us a moment to breathe. Whenever that lizard brain starts manifesting, that anxiety starts manifesting, it's a great opportunity to get in the presence of God in silence and just breathe. To say, Lord, give me peace. Lord, I don't want to step out here in anxiety. Fill me with your life. And right now, just take a deep breath in and out. Let the wind of the Holy Spirit fill you. The breath of God fill you. Let's just take 30 minutes, 30, not 30 seconds of silence. 
and then we'll sing and we'll have our prayer team and then you can come forward just for, to receive ministry. But let's pause.
free to respond. And as we did a couple of weeks ago, I'm just going to need your help this service as well. We have um, events that we need to set up for. And so we can do two things. We can receive prayer, and at the same time, if you wouldn't mind just grabbing one chair on this side and bring it over and grab one chair and bring it on this side, we'll be done with that in a good three minutes. And that will help us set up for the events that we have taking place in this room here. And so come up for prayer. Hope grab a chair. And um, as the Lord leads us this week, may we go in prudence and in discerning as well. Let me invite you to open your hands. What's Listen, this is the posture of the Christian. When we're in a bad place, we live the posture of anxious manipulation. Clenched fists. It's my way. Not letting go, but as a form of worship, we end every gathering having our bodies express what we want in our hearts. Jesus, I'm open to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my marriage as it is in heaven, in my finances as it is in heaven, in my career as it Lord, your will be done. And so, this is a simple gesture where we say, Lord. My body is expressing the intent of my heart. Let it be your kingdom, your will be done. And so with your hands and your hearts, in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, growing in wisdom, growing in prudence, in the way of Jesus. And may the Lord lead you and guide you in the way that you should go. And when anxiety floods your system, may you wait upon the Lord. When anxiety comes in and tries to overtake you, may you wait upon the Lord. May you breathe in the peace of the Spirit of God. And through your prudence and wisdom, may you be a gift the world around you. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the prudent name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace.